Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Wednesday morning, and while the eyes of the world have been on Minneapolis here for the last 24 hours, it's always instructive to remember as we welcome you inside Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline, Chris Candy, the Super Bowl champion, in for the NCAA champion, J. Will, who will be back next week. When you think about it from a locale perspective, all eyes are on Minnesota. But it's also important to remember that issues like this and the verdict yesterday, you only can imagine the reaction of people in Louisville, Kentucky, or Kenosha, Wisconsin, or New York City, um, or Ferguson, Missouri. You kind of know where I'm going here. And one of those places that is not immune to seeing this sort of violence and have the community react is Key's hometown of Los Angeles, California. Key often likes to talk about, uh, you know, things that happened since he's been born. So obviously you, you weren't there for, let's say, the Watts riots there no, in the 60s. I wasn't there for that. But <laughs> my mom was. Yes, and that obviously was a turbulent period in Los Angeles history. But since you've been walking the earth, there have been several incidents that sort of have come to mind in light of what we're talking about this morning. Yeah, you know, it, it's um, I go back to my teenage years in you know, my end of my high school, freshman year of college. And I remember the Rodney King situation. Mm-hmm. Clear video, the whole, we, we saw it, right? Mm-hmm. It, what our, our eyes told us something totally different. Mm-hmm. But those police officers were able to walk and do no jail time. And, and so when you look at yesterday's verdict coming down, you can't have but a knot in your stomach and think, here we go again for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Or you you fast forward it, and then all of a sudden after the verdict on Rodney King, the city in which I was raised, born, is burning down to a crisp. Only our neighborhood, though. Not the suburbs, not the ritzy part. The damage was done to where we needed to shop and live and do all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to you know watching what went on in the O.J. Simpson trial and all those sort of things that took place in the verdict that came down there. And then you look and you fast forward to where we are today. And in between, there were so many other things that had happened to people being murdered, whether it was on camera or not. But the verdicts didn't come down in favor of them. It came down in favor of the police department. So yesterday, as I was purchasing my bike, um, I was waiting and we had to change. We kept having to change our time or our meeting yesterday mm-hmm. for the show because we were waiting for the verdict. Yeah, I'm sure. buying my bike. I got to ride the bike back home. And I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself and I'm saying I'm not. You know, it's, you find yourself in this weird place, Canty, of wishing, praying, hoping that it goes the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. But it also you also feel like. I don't know. There's a weird feeling that I'm wishing something bad. Even though you're not wishing something bad, you're wishing something good that happens in terms of accountability. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself out loud, what if the verdict doesn't come down the way that we want it to? Now, all of a sudden, we've got to deal with what I saw as a college student across not just Minnesota now. It's going to be many other places. And I understand that Minnesota is the hub, but it's gonna it's gonna register in New York City, mm-hmm. L.A., mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee, Chicago. I mean, it's just gonna explode. 
if the verdict didn't go down the way it we wanted it to. And and so you think about those things and you're like, man, I'm just glad that they got it right. So we don't have to deal with that right now. Now, as time go on, the sentencing is, I think, eight to nine weeks away. Mm-hmm. You still got to, you know, there's still going to be some tension in terms of that. People mm-hmm. trying to figure out and wonder what's going to happen there along the way. And then there's going to be other cases that are going to continue to come up, I'm sure. Yeah, but Key, here's the thing. I think we have some resolution, not only in the black community, but as a country, and I'm sure a lot of people around the world, too, because like you, I was waiting yesterday when that, you know, when they announced that there was going to be the verdict read yesterday afternoon. I was waiting right there, and I was bracing for the outcome you know, not being what I wanted it to be, just because I had enough data points throughout my lifetime where you have these interactions with people from the black and brown community with law enforcement, where you don't have resolution, where you don't feel like you got justice and accountability. You talked about Rodney King and those officers walking on a not guilty verdict, but then you also bring it back to a couple of years ago in that same community in Minnesota, they had Philando Castile with the traffic stop and him losing his life. And then you look at what happened last year with George Floyd and was caught on camera, and you just thought this this has to be a situation where justice is going to be delivered because I don't know that I'm in a position where I can be able to handle it, where I can process this, and I don't know that as a country we would have been able to handle it just because of how how egregious it was and how vicious it was with Derek Chauvin taking his life and kneeling on the neck of George Floyd for over nine minutes. But to actually get the verdict when jo- where Derek Chauvin was convicted on all of the charges, it just it, – it, it's this – it's this dichotomy that we're seeing with the system that has marginalized black and brown lives for so long actually working to the benefit of black and brown Americans by delivering the justice that we all wanted to see. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to quickly mention on this is something I mentioned in the first hour, but I, as I'm thinking about it more and more and how it plays into all this because we didn't really bring up the Simpson trial in the first hour. But the Simpson trial and this George Floyd trial are going to be inextricably linked for a couple of things. One, just the gigantic scope of the trial. Absolutely. If you're of age, if you're a teenager now, this is the George Floyd trial is going to be the definitive seminal trial of your lifetime. Key and I are both in our 40s and you could say the same for O.J. Simpson. And it was really the first mass consumption public trial on television. George Floyd brought court TV back and they basically had what they call gavel to gavel coverage and you could watch every uh, person testify, all the witnesses, all of that. But during the OJ trial, if you remember, and many people followed it closely, uh, they had a position that was created that is now commonplace all throughout the judicial system, and it's called a jury consultant. And her name was Joellen Demetrius. And I, you know, mm-hmm. for the OJ trial, you can just remember all the names. It's the first time we ever heard Kardashian was back during the <laughs> OJ trial, believe it or not, before today's modern day Kardashians. But her job was to assist Bob Shapiro, Robert Shapiro, and the late, great Johnny Cochran and basically say, we need to comprise a jury where at least one person can look at O.J. and say, I grew up admiring him. There's no way in the world I could convict O.J. And it's sort of a way of basically placing some level of bias on the jury to help your client. Mm-hmm. And I felt now, fast forward, it's been, you know, O.J. trials 94, 95, fast forward a quarter century plus, you get to a point where I mentioned this, Chris, this morning on the show, that every trial has to mention who the jury is comprised of. Because if I told you who the jury is comprised of, you'd have a better than average chance of guessing what the verdict might be, Mm. right? So it's one black woman. This is the Floyd jury. One black woman, two multiracial women, two white men, 
three black men, four white women, two-thirds of the jury, eight of the 12 or 40s or younger. And I saw this yesterday reported widely. This is the composition of the jury. And I said to myself, if 12 people of any race, any background, any sexual orientation, any age, you don't need some sort of United Colors of Benetton. You don't need some sort of diverse panel to understand what you saw there. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. I think anybody of any race, any 12 people you bring together should be able to look at that and say, there is something wrong. You know, there is something wrong. So often we just look at the jury and say, I don't really know, but I think deep down people saw that and knew no matter what their background or life experience was, that was wrong. But but see, for us though, Zubin, that has happened before, though, where the evidence was clear cut. It's in front of you. You, you see it. We see it, we, but then it doesn't come back in favor. So that's why guys like me and Canty, even yourself to a point, sitting back, just kind of just stuck waiting. And then when you hear guilty, you just want to make sure you heard what you heard. Mm-hmm. It didn't hear something, <laughs> it did hear something yeah. different. Let me. That's why I had to jump off the call with y'all. I'm like, I got to be able to focus in because if I'm trying to uh, uh, dual things by talking to you guys about this and trying to pay attention to the television screen, I'd have got lost. Mm -hmm. I needed to focus in because I didn't want to hear something I thought I heard that Mm -hmm. wasn't quite there, even though I heard guilty. You know, it's like guilty in what, though? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is that the manslaughter charge? Yeah, what does that mean? Second degree murder charge? Yeah, we, we just didn't know. And so I was paying attention, too. I was actually on the phone with my oldest brother when they started reading off the verdict, and I told him, I gotta hang up the phone. I can't talk to you right now because I gotta be able to lock in because I'm waiting for this moment to happen. I'm waiting to see whether or not this system is going to be able to deliver the justice that we all deserve around this country, and it actually happened yesterday. So that's why I believe that we're taking we're taking the right steps. We're on the path toward being able to get to a society where we all can experience the same level of justice. But I also acknowledge that there's more work to be done. Start with the progress. And that was progress yesterday. Let me just ask you each as we get to Morris Smith here on the line in just a moment, the NFLPA executive director, I'm wondering what he's told his players, a contingent that is largely African-American. We'll get him here in just a minute. Dabo Sweeney coming up in 20 minutes. The word you would use to describe when you heard the verdict, because I, I'm thinking, is it joyous? Is it relief? Like, what, what's the word? What was the emotion you felt? It was relief. Relief. It was relief. See, Just because I didn't. so interesting. But Zubin, I didn't know what I was going to do had it been a not guilty verdict. I, I don't know oh, where no, we no. go from there. Where do we turn as a society? Where, where does our criminal justice system go? You're already at a point where black and brown communities don't trust law enforcement. We don't trust the system just because the system has shown us that our lives don't matter as much as our white counterparts. And yesterday, that jury in Minnesota, they determined that George Floyd's life mattered. They determined that, you know what, we agree with the rest of the world, what everybody saw on those tapes, the the camera recording from the bystanders that were there. We're agreeing with everybody else's assessment of this. This was absolutely wrong. This was not about policing. This was about one man not having any care in his heart, being callous in his treatment toward a black man. And I felt like that jury delivered the kind of justice that we all wanted, and I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I just was like, good, relieved. Because much like Canty said, you know, if it didn't come back guilty, now my mind is going somewhere else. Now I got to, you know, 
get out, protest, be a part of the streets to, to have our voices heard again, more and more. It, and it still is going to happen. It's not going to stop. This is just the beginning. That's all. Indeed. Let's begin our conversation with Demoris Smith, the NFLPA executive director, joining us this morning. Uh, Demoris, uh, you represent a contingent of folks, largely African-American. The verdict is in. You're in a leadership position. Um, what have you or what are you planning to tell uh, all of the players? D, you with us? Hey. Hey, good morning. Yeah, sorry. I... Uh... Pause for a second. That was uh, that was that was awkward, but yeah, I just no I just heard you. Um, what we're going to tell the players is is what we've told them, um, you know. Unfortunately, many times um, you have a voice. You're a man. Um, many of you are fathers. Um, it's time for you to to resist being comfortable. Um, in the game of football and to take ownership of exactly where you are. Um, and at this time to take a leadership role, to try to achieve change. Um, you know, look, what happened yesterday with the verdict was exactly what was supposed to happen in response to something that should have never happened. Um, and, and while I take a, great deal of of moment of pause and 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 reflection on the verdict um george floyd should be alive brianna taylor should be alive what happened yesterday um is what should have happened because none of them should have lost their lives in the first place and and the message I, i not only to our players but i think to everyone else should be how do we back this up so that these things don't happen in the first place? D you are a lawyer by trade. And I know you followed this whole trial from beginning to end. When the verdict came down yesterday in Minneapolis, what was your like initial reaction? Yours? Yeah. You know, yeah, Keyshawn, thanks. I'm, you know, uh, Jerome and I talked the other day um, in advance of the verdict, and and I shared a lot of the thoughts with with him. And I know you know him well. Um, I was a prosecutor for a long time. Uh, uh, prosecuted, you know, a lot of cases, a lot of murder cases. Prosecuted cops. Um, I, I think it was more relief um, that the process worked this time. Um, but you know. I've been in a courtroom where I've won murder cases. Um, You never really have that level of rejoicing. Uh, At least I didn't. Um, Someone was still no longer with their family. Um, Someone was was going off to jail, as they probably should. Um, But, you know, you look at those things, and I, I think every now and then we, we compartmentalize them into some sort of moment, and we want to either couch it as someone won, someone lost, the good guys won, the bad guys lost. Um, I, I was always just really um, reflective in those moments because it, it never brought the person who was was buried back. Mm-hmm. and And I think you know, for you and I and, and, and the things that you've said on your show that are all right, you know what, tomorrow I'm still worried, you know, 
when my son is driving around, what happens if he gets pulled over? That hasn't changed. Um, he's still going to have to stick his hands out of the window. Um, that hasn't changed. Um, we, we still do not have a comprehensive standard by which to, to educate, train, and hold uh, a law enforcement people accountable. That hasn't changed. So I, I dug the verdict, but, but I dig the work that we have to go forward more. Mm. You know, to me, and I think to many others, the league public stance on social injustice seemed to change a little bit in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. What do you think his legacy will be on the NFL and its players after his killing? I I think it's going to to be huge, but but you know, Keyshawn, only if players and athletes and artists and 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 people who are around this business continue to make it um more than just an entertainment moment i I only look you know you and i remember when players came out of the tunnel in st louis with with their hands up after ferguson i mean that seems like a thousand years ago right Mm -hmm. um so I love the fact that our players were on the right side of history then, even before the league was. Um, I, I think the legacy of George Floyd is, is and, and Breonna Taylor, and, and unfortunately the, the hundreds like them, is going to be meaningful only if we take it to the next step. So we've got players who have joined, um, as, as well as the union, the Alliance for Criminal Justice Reform, uh, I'm working with the AFL-CIO um, uh, on on criminal justice reform. Our players have to vote. Our players have to sponsor and 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 push through legislation. Um, th- that's the only way that this is going to continue uh, to build in a way for meaningful change. D, yesterday, teams across all professional sports leagues in this country came out with statements acknowledging the verdict, and they talked about the need for continuing to fight and advocate for the change that we all want to see across social justice and racial equality lines. But i got to ask you in particular with the NFL, because Key brought up this point that the NFL has shifted course with their position. What are some of the things that you'd like to see from the National Football League in terms of being able to advocate for that same change that we're all fighting for? You know, look, the the league is um, a a powerful business entity. Um, There are few businesses in the country um, that can can look at its, you know, the the members of the league, the owners of the league um, and count that influence in in hundreds of billions of dollars, um, even before we start to think about the impact um, that that its brand can have on a number of things. Um, What I would look for from the league is a continued use of their voice, but, but let's just get, you know, brutally blunt and frank about it. Um, I'm on ESPN (laughs) only because I have a certain job title. Uh, I'm sure you guys would have invited me anyway. Um, But (laughs) But the only reason that you and I are, are talking about this on ESPN is because of the juggernaut of sport and the juggernaut of the business of sport. And, and it seems to me that when we start committing 
all of the same lobbyists that that are being used to protect our antitrust exemption when we're dedicating those lobbyists to make changes in Congress on police reform, that's gonna make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, when, when we are leveraging the same business relationships uh, to get fantastic television uh, contracts, again, thanks to ESPN, um, when we leverage that power against TV networks in order to get the same results in our communities, that's when power speaks. Um, I, I deal with the NFL's power in a negative way almost every day. When we hold and expect them to use that massive power to achieve monumental social change, that's when I think that corporations like, like the NFL um, and, and other corporations really step up to the plate. It's well said. The NFL has been nudged there, but... They're there. That's the bottom line. DeMoris, thank you very much, and we'll certainly continue to check in throughout the course of the offseason, one in which the players have already said is going to be, again, unlike any other. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Take all care. Right, and when next time we run him down, we'll, of course, ask about all the players not showing up to virtual workouts. There's just too much business that called for at hand today. That's DeMoris Smith on the Goodyear Hotline. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Dabo Sweeney is next, and we will ask him about Trevor Lawrence, and we will ask him about Deshaun Watson after he has this from Straight Talk Wireless. It's time for some straight talk. Sure, saving money feels good, but cutting your wireless bill in half, that feels really good, like a walk-off home run in the ninth inning good. Okay, well, maybe not that good. But pretty darn good. With Straight Talk, you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract, all on America's best networks. Why pay a lot when you can pay half as much? Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. This Sports oh. Illustrated cover story on Trevor Lawrence, it's out. The one quote that they promoted, I don't have this chip on my shoulder, I can't manufacture that. If Justin Fields had said this kind of thing, what do you think we'd be talking about here this morning? More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
The voices of Alan Hahn and Lou Riddick. Since those comments were made, Trevor Lawrence did tweet over the weekend to clarify those comments as we are joined on the Goodyear hotline by Dabo Sweeney, a man that knows Trevor about as well as anyone else. It is great to have Dabo here. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Coach, first things first, I just want to talk about the big issue of the day, the Chauvin result, the verdict. I know last summer Trevor led a lot of protests on campus. You took part with your players in some of those marches and protests. What will you or what have you told your team about that verdict the next time you convene? I mean, I don't think there's anything to tell the team. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory and, you know, just good to see the justice, justice system uh, work and, and uh, you know, hopefully everyone can can uh, gain some confidence from that. What's up, Coach? What's up, Keyshawn? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm putting a uh, APB out on you, though, out in California. So the next time you come out there and you take a quarterback, <laughs> you're going to have – some issues with me, that's for sure. How you, everybody's good, though, the wife, everybody's good? Yeah, man, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Glad I could, glad to hook up with you guys. I know we were supposed to do this, seemed like a week or so ago, but so glad, glad it worked out. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. So let me ask you this about Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is projected as the number one overall pick. It feels like he's been projected at that since he came to Clemson and won a national championship as a freshman, how has he handled everything from the criticism to the praise? I mean, just, you know, he's the same guy every day, Keyshawn. I mean, he really is. He's a, and he came here with a, with a great foundation and, you know, all these guys are always maturing and he's still in that process. I mean, but, you know, for a guy walking in off the street as a freshman, uh, you know, he was so well prepared, uh, smooth transition from a, a mental standpoint, a physical standpoint, just incredibly gifted, you know, as a quarterback. But just, you know, all that stuff that comes with, you know, becoming a starter as a freshman and all those things. I mean, he's just very grounded. You know, he's strong in his faith. He's he, he's really kept his life simple. Um, he, you know, he, he has a persona about him, I guess, because he, he kind of always say looks like Hollywood, but he's he's not – He's a, he's not, he's just a very, um, low key guy. I mean, he really is. I mean, he committed as, as a junior in high school and just boom, ended his recruiting process. And, uh, you know, he just married his middle school sweetheart two weeks ago. And he's just got a, um, uh, a very, a, a simplicity to him in a, in a order to his life that I think re- that he, that he, that helps him in his situation. But, you know, I mean, he certainly, um, a human and all that, but he's, he's got thick skin, which will serve him well. Uh, he gets it. He understands, you know, all that's coming and all that stuff. And, and that's a hard thing for anybody. I don't care how prepared you are, but you know, he's as, as equipped as you could possibly be to take this next step. And I think he's going to be incredibly successful. He's a winner. Uh, he's always been a winner. And, and, um, you know, I think that that'll be the case at the next level as well. You know, Coach, when Deshaun Watson was coming out, you compared him not, you know, compared him to Michael Jordan, basically said he can energize, he could do all of these magical things. I haven't heard you say or compare Trevor to, to anybody in professional sports. Is there somebody that you would compare him to? Yeah, I really – there's really I, – I personally have not really um, – there's not a guy that I would could, could say – 
you know, I think he's a very unique guy. I think he's the first Trevor, to be honest with you, as far as just the quarterback play. He's got attributes of a lot of guys, but he's just so unique, uh, you know, with his size, his speed, uh, his arm talent. The only thing I've compared him to and is just is just when you watch him throw the ball. You know, I, I, I just compare my – like when I watch Steph Curry shoot a basketball, it's just like, you know, you just sit there and just watch him and go, wow. I mean, it's just – it's just so it's just a you could sit there all day and watch him shoot a ball. Uh, he's just so flawless that way, and that's how I feel about Trevor when I watch him throw a football. I mean, he just and and from the first time I saw him live, I've felt that way. And then all these years of of working with him day in and day out, I mean, he's just uh, I mean, it's just something to see. I mean, he can he's just a uh, a really special you know uh, talent. And when it comes to throwing the football and uh, and then, you know, when you get to know him and you understand, uh, you know, how he's wired and, 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 all, and how he loves to prepare, uh, he loves to compete. And, uh, you know, it just it's fun to watch. You know, it really is. Coach, I want to ask you about your former quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Right now he's embroiled in an ongoing legal matter regarding sexual misconduct. But what was your initial reaction to the allegations on Deshaun? Well, just like everybody, you know, uh, certainly just disappointed to see his name in, in the paper for things like that. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it hurts when, you know, this is someone, when it's someone you know, you know, we all read things about people all the time. Uh, but when it's someone that you have a, 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 a personal relationship with and, and, and you know, love and respect, it, it, it's, it hurts. Um, so, you know, it's very disappointing to see his name in the paper and, and all that stuff, but but uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, I mean, I I I only know one Deshaun Watson, and that's the one that I've had experience with for for many years now. And uh, you know, I, I've never, and that's all I can I can go by. You know, is is the Deshaun I know and the experience that I've had. Uh, and then you you know, obviously, there's a legal process and all that, and it has to take its course, and and uh, we'll see. But you know. Um, you know, I, I believe in Deshaun Watson. I know what he's what he's told me, and and you know he's never lied to me before. So um, you know, I, I I have to stand on that. Understood, Coach. Let me ask you this, because there's a lot of rumors swirling around. You know, college football around the time that the season ends and jobs start to open up. Uh, Houston, obviously, Houston Texans had a job opening, but the Jacksonville Jaguars also had the number one overall pick with a job opening and Trevor Lawrence on the board and be honest with me, how close were you to exploring? I'm not going to say take, I'm going to say exploring the opportunity to make the leap to the national football league. Having done so much in college already with seven ACC championships, two national titles, having played in it four times. Well, I mean, you know, I've said many times over the years, uh, you never say never to anything, but, but I love what I do. I love where I am. And, and, uh, I didn't have any conversations with either of those teams. I've had opportunities with, with, with other teams over the past few years, um, you know, real opportunities, but it's just not been, you know, the right thing for me. And, you know, I just, I'm, I just go by what the good Lord calls me to do. And, and, uh, if that's something that comes down the road, you know, you, 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 cross that bridge when it is but I I just you know I love where I am I love what I do I love being um 
you know, in Clemson. I love my community here. I love these players. You know, I've been here a long time. Um, I'm getting ready to start my 19th season here at Clemson, my 13th as the head coach. And, uh, man, it's just been a, it's been an awesome, awesome journey. Uh, but, you know, as I've said many times, people, I've had, when I get asked the question, I just, I just say never say never because who knows, you know, what's going to come down the road. And I think you always have to process those things in real time. But um, I, just, I just try to, you know, be great where my feet are day in and day out. And, and really that's, that's been my only focus. But um, I didn't have any conversations with either one of those teams about an opening there. What, what, what's your team going to be like? this upcoming season with so many talented players coming back? Well, we got everybody back on defense. Um, you know, we, we, we did lose a, a really good corner, but um, we're going to be better, much better. Uh, I'm excited about that. I think we've been <clears> – <throat> these past two seasons, we've been growing a little bit, and, and, and we've got some scars and some battle wounds uh, with some, you know, playing some young guys, but those guys are – are, are veterans now, and they've got some experience to draw on. I really like where we are defensively. And then offensively, um, this is probably as talented as we've ever been at wide out. Uh, we're, we're really talented at running back and tight end. Uh, we've got a great group back that, that got a lot of experience last year. Same thing, also has got some, some, some scars on them. But we were really young last year. Uh, and so, I mean, we've got a bunch of linemen now that I think will be able to to, to shore up our, our – we played basically six guys in the OL all last year. Mm. And I think we'll be able to have 10 or 11 guys this year that will be ready to, to win for us, not just play, but can go win. And so that's going to hopefully be a big difference. You know, obviously the key will come down to replacing Trevor um, and, uh, man, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, who you referenced earlier. Uh, you from, stole from him. I'm going to just keep saying yeah. that. You stole him. You better stay out of Southern California, man. He got some great experience last year. You know, unfortunately for Trevor, he got COVID, but 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 worked out great for DJ because he, he got two starts and and really, you know, performed well. And, and he got some good experience throughout the season. So, you know, we're excited about him. We think he's he's a – I mean, he's got a chance to – you know, he could be the first pick in the draft in a couple of years. He has that type of ability in him. He's got to go do it and all that, but but he's he's got that uh, type of upside and love what I saw in him last year and this spring. He needs a great summer. Um, but that's the key. The, the big key to our team is going to be getting our backup quarterback, whoever that's going to be, you know, ready to go because our, our backup uh, towards Achilles. And so we've got, you know, we'll be young there. We'll have a couple freshmen battling you know, to, to start off the season. Um, but outside of that, I think we got a good team, man. I think we got a chance to compete and, and, you know, that's really all you can ask for is be one of those teams that's got a shot. And I think, I think we'll be there. Okay. No doubt. Looked unbelievable against Boston college and Notre Dame. Now the team is his and a reminder for life. Don't mess with happy coach is happy where he is. There could be a lot worse things in life. Dabo. Thanks for joining us this morning. All right. Good to be with you guys. All right. Take care. Uh-huh. Same to you and much credit to him. Took the Deshaun question head on. On the way, call a roulette, your time to shine. That's after Key has this from Goodyear. Goodyear knows when the season starts heating up, so do the possibilities. Playoff hopefuls are beginning to emerge, and contenders are solidifying their position. From here on out, every game is a chance to create momentum, to make the right pass, the right move, to hit the perfect shot like Steph Curry. It takes momentum to build up 
to the moment, but it takes everything to capture it. Goodyear, more driven. It's time for Call a Roulette. You know the rules. Don't ask us how we are. We're good. I don't want to hear any of that. Get in, say your name, and make your point and ask the question. 888-729-3776. 888-ESPN. And don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Especially you, Line 5. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And don't make your question. Don't make your question. How you doing? Everything good? <laughs> yeah. How was the weekend? KJZ presented by Progressive Insurance. Call the roulette specifically is brought to you by Mortal Kombat. See it in theaters and on HBO Max. This Friday, rated R. You know the deal, right? We're going to spin the wheel. I'll give you a line number. Everybody on hold's got a line number. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from, and then let's get it going. All right, Alan, spin the wheel. Much like 2021, Alan is virtually spinning the wheel. So <laughs> we are very up to date. All right, let's go to line two. Uh, what's up, fellas? This is John calling from Boston. I'm a huge Washington football team fan. I'm just wondering why we're not hearing more noise about them moving up and getting one of these fallen, well, so-called fallen quarterbacks in Fields and Lance. They're at 19, Key, the Redskins. Yeah, it's, Washington it, football. It, it, it's still early. Yeah, I mean, that they'll, they'll, you, you'll start to hear chatter depending on where people are falling. I mean, they got 19. That's like that's the middle of the draft, toward the end, the back end of the draft. So they got plenty of time to move up. Indeed, and Chris, we got the Bears at 20, the Steelers at 24. A lot of teams in that range yeah. will be looking for quarterbacks. Vikings at 14, Pats at 15. No, there are going to be a lot of people in the first round that are looking to try to position themselves to get a franchise quarterback. But to Key's point, they're not going to make that move until the guy that they want is actually in that position where they can actually move up. Because if you think about it right now, the three guys that people assume is going to be off the board yeah. are in the first three picks. Yeah. Maybe even four, right? So what is their to be moving up for. I can't I'm I'm surely not moving in front of four right. or three or two or one. So why not sit tight and wait and see who falls in my lap? Yep. Washington football team started six quarterbacks in the last two years. Yeah, that's not good. Six quarterbacks. That's not good. One of them retired yesterday. All right, Alan spin it. Line one. Good morning. Hey, I was wondering what you guys think if 
the Portland Trailblazers should cut ties with Coach Terry Stotts. They've been really bad in defensive efficiency and underachieving. From parts unknown. If he's a wrestler, he'd be from parts unknown. I don't, I don't know if you could. I don't know because they've been, you know, they've been banged up a little bit here recently. Um, and it's just Portland's just a hard place to win on a consistent basis. And I know they won with Luke Walton and Clyde Drexler and all that stuff back in the heyday, but it's just hard to win in a market like that. Yeah, Portland is sixth in the West. I don't know that they're underachieving. They're about where I thought they'd be, especially when you consider the injuries that they've had to deal with Can I say the, Luke? Last, the last couple of I years. I Bill. Bill, yeah. same yeah. thing. Bill, but yeah. But, you know, I don't think they're underachieving. 32 and 25, as Key mentioned. Lillard's been banged up, and McCollum missed a good portion of the season. All right, spin it, Alan. Luke, Bill, Bill, Luke. Both played in the Conference of Champions. We discussed that quite a bit. Throw it down, big fella. Throw it down. (laughs) Dave Pash already having nightmares. He doesn't have to work with Walden for months. Line four. Hey, this is Robert from North Carolina. The other day, Woody was on the Michael K show, and he talked about the quarterback Wilson, but they never asked him about Justin Fields. How do you guys feel about Justin Fields next time you see Woody? Ask Damon Woody, how does he feel about Justin Fields? I like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback in the draft, but that's me. I'm not the one doing the picking. Yeah, we're of the same opinion on this one. We've been going back and forth trying to figure out what's wrong with Justin Fields and why so many pundits are saying that he's he's falling down the draft board. I don't get that. Justin Fields, from a physical standpoint, has everything you're looking for as a quarterback in the modern game. It's so funny. You know what's so interesting is is I was telling Zub and them, you were doing your show. As I said, every player – that's come on our show, that was actually a player in the league. Yeah. That came come on our show that actually played. Justin Fields is the number two guy, and Mac Jones is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I don't know. If Mac Jones doesn't go to that three to the 49ers, where is Mac Jones going to get drafted? Good question. Where, where is he going to go? Players that actually <laughs> play yeah. the game doesn't see it the same way people that didn't play the game see it. So yeah. I'm relying on the personnel individuals, the general managers, those individuals that have picked them to get it right. Indeed. Latest guy to do that, Ryan Clark. You can check that out in hour two of the podcast. All right, let's try to squeeze one more in. Spin it, Alan. Line three, you got the final word. Line three. Yeah, it's Robert from uh, Shawsville, Virginia. And uh, I tell you what, that Pitts kid from Florida is the best player in the draft. And I'll be shocked if Atlanta doesn't take him because that guy, he's 6'6", 246, runs a 4'4". He's taller than Keyshawn and faster than Keyshawn. Keyshawn <laughs> went number one. Chris, you spent some time in Charlottesville, guys. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Kyle Pitts may very well be the best position player in this draft, but I don't think the Atlanta Falcons should take him. The Atlanta Falcons need a successor to Matt Ryan. How often are you going to be in the top five in position where there is a quarterback-rich draft? They should go quarterback at four if they stay with that pick. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're back on Thursday. Trey Lance and Justin Fields are suddenly making a run at being the third pick in the draft. We'll talk to the quarterback coach, John Beck, at 9.30 a.m. Thursday on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio.